Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Hello there. I see you found yourself in the creepy little town of Nevermore. While there are many towns with strange happenings and dark histories, I guarantee you that Nevermore is different. It's nestled on the southern coast, surrounded by Dunwich State Park, which seems dark and ominous even on the sunniest of days. This town is filled with people who have come to see the supernatural as normal. Maybe they're just all in denial. Maybe they're all just a little bit off. Or maybe they aren't exactly what they seem. My name is Lafayette Faust. I am the town's historian. I keep track of the weird and dark and deadly things that happen here. And tonight, I'm going to tell you about one of those things. So sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Winona Crow loved her little diner because it was a nexus for the bizarre and the paranormal. She had set up shop in the weird little town of Nevermore, Georgia, 20 years ago with the intention of making it successful enough that she could pay someone to run it while she lived the good life. However, by the end of the first week, she had become convinced that working at Winona's Waffle Hut would be more exhilarating than anywhere else in the world. The very first night she was open, a man rushed in, beaten and bloodied, and claimed to have been attacked by Sasquatch. The rest of that first week had been full of wonder. She had witnessed an exorcism in a corner booth, had fought a large two-headed snake out back near the dumpster, and helped a woman give birth to a baby girl covered in what appeared to be scales, like a snake. When the baby opened her mouth and cried after taking her first breath, Winona caught glimpse of a forked tongue. 
At the very moment the baby slithered into this realm, the old Donovan song, Season of the Witch, began to play on the jukebox. Winona had looked up, bewildered, and realized that not even one of the twelve patrons in her diner was standing near enough to the jukebox to have called up the song. After the young woman and her scaly little baby had been carted away to the hospital, she had checked the song titles in the old jukebox and found that Season of the Witch was not listed. Winona's Waffle Hut was successful. She had become wealthy enough to pay others to manage the operation as she had originally hoped. Yet, she chose to work because of the constant possibility for the weird to occur. The establishment was open 24 hours, and she chose to work mostly nights because that was when the truly strange things happened. She wiped down an area of the counter and took in the late-night patrons. There were 20 in total. Three teenage boys and a girl sat in a corner booth. She knew them to be from a local punk band called The Unpretties. Calvin Taylor, a local author, sat on the center stool at the counter eating an omelet. She suspected he was there hoping to see something strange enough to inspire a story. He often told her that the food and the crazy stuff that happened always blew his mind. In the booth next to the restroom sat Emma Rhodes and Miguel Guerrero. They were an odd couple, and Winona could not quite figure out why they were here together. Emma was a snooty, self-entitled princess of 22. Miguel was as blue-collar as you could get. Other patrons were scattered about, quietly eating or in conversation with one another, when the bell above the door rang. Heads up, boss, Isaac White said through the window that opened into the kitchen. Isaac was her short-order cook and right-hand man. He was a beefy young black man from Montgomery who had decided to stay in Nevermore after witnessing the alligators fall from the sky when he had stopped in for a late-night burger. He had asked if alligators routinely fell from the sky, and she had told him that not usually alligators, but that on occasion other strange objects did. Like the time an old Chevy from the 1950s dropped into the parking lot, smashing Winona's cherry red 66 Mustang. The sheriff couldn't figure out who owned the Chevy or how it had gotten into the stormy night sky, but he did find a deformed skeleton sitting in the driver's seat. Isaac asked for a job that very night, and she had hired him on the spot. They now had enough strange stories between the two of them to fill at least two books. Winona looked up, taking in the sight before her. Okay. This might be the strangest one yet. Isaac stepped through the swinging doors from the kitchen and stood beside Winona behind the counter. They looked at what had just walked into their diner and wondered where this could possibly lead. A man dressed as a clown stood in front of the door, quietly looking around the diner. His makeup was a mixture of mime and hobo. He had white grease paint on his face. Black paint had been used to draw a ragged X across each eye. One X was slightly askew, giving his face an asymmetrical warp. Tattered duct tape covered his mouth, and he was clothed in oversized jacket and pants. The jacket had a dirty black and white harlequin pattern and was patched in places. 
The pants were striped red, white, and blue and were frayed at the cuffs. He wore a ratty pair of pink Converse tennis shoes that were easily three sizes too big. Around his neck was a spiked dog collar, to which was attached a long leather strap. A monkey held the other end of the leash and led the clown to the stool at the far end of the counter. What the hell is up with that monkey? Isaac said. Damn, Winona replied. Of all the things I've seen in this diner, that's definitely the most disturbing. The monkey was a white-faced capuchin. However, someone, presumably the disturbed clown attached to the leash, had haphazardly smeared red grease paint over his face and drawn black swirls around its eyes. The monkey's face looked demonic, and he was wearing a tiny red tuxedo with black polka dots. The clown took a seat and folded his hands on the counter. He sat, not saying a word, eyes blank and distant. The monkey jumped onto the stool beside him, still holding the leash, and turned his demonic simian stare at Winona. She realized the black circles on his tux were not actually dots, but small black pentagrams. I suppose I'll wander over and take their order, Winona said. She turned to Isaac. Be ready. I think this is going to go psycho juju on us. Psycho juju was a term they used to explain the situations that were not only bizarre, but had the most potential for violence. Isaac nodded, his eyes fixed on the clown. I don't like how quiet and dazed he looks. You feel that? A psycho juju vibe for sure. I feel it, Winona said. She picked up a menu and walked over to the clown. Evening. What can I get you? The clown slowly turned his head and looked at the monkey. His eyes remained flat, dark, with no hint of life. There seemed to be a telepathic communication between them. Then... The clown looked at Winona and held up a finger, as if asking her to wait a moment. His white gloves were stained mud brown and urine yellow. With his other hand, he reached inside his ratty coat and pulled out a kid's toy gun. It was made of yellow plastic with an orange tip. On one side of the barrel was scrawled, as if from the hand of a disturbed mind, the word sane. On the other side, in an elegant cursive, was the word crazy. Isaac shot Winona a glance. They had their own form of telepathic communication after spending years together on the crazy shift. He was wary, as she was, but the gun was clearly a toy. He stepped closer to the register where, just under the counter, was a 12-gauge shotgun. He was positioning himself for an easy grab if things went completely psycho-juju. Everyone in the diner had stopped what they were doing and was now watching in wonder at the crazy clown and his hellish little monkey. Everyone knew that Winona's Waffle Hut was a place for the crazy to happen, but in Nevermore something crazy was always happening, so the townsfolk went on about their lives as if they lived in a completely normal town. That included patronizing her diner, 
though the crazy was always a bit more outlandish. So, while there was a clear wariness permeating the diner, the patrons looked on more in curious wonder at the scene that was playing out before them. The clown held the gun toward the ceiling with his right hand and began to slowly swirl his left forefinger in the air above his head. He continued to stare blankly at Winona through his crossed-out eyes as each swirl became wider. On the sixth turn of the finger, he pointed behind him directly at Emma Rhodes. Keeping his lifeless eyes on Winona, he pointed the toy gun behind his head and pulled the trigger. Three things happened all at once. First, a deafening shot rang out. Second, Emma Rhodes slumped over the table, gagging as a bullet pierced her throat. Third, everyone in the diner either gasped or screamed at the unprovoked violence. Winona's eyes shot wide. How in the hell did he do that with a toy gun? The monkey began to laugh. It was not the breathy, mindless, simian laugh that normal monkeys made. Instead, it was a wicked laugh, filled with intelligent nuance. Everyone in the diner turned their shocked attention toward the monkey, who had stepped up onto the counter. In his left hand, he held the clown's leash. In his right, he held a twenty-two caliber pistol. Smoke ballooned from the barrel and swirled around the monkey's painted face. Isaac was a beat ahead of her in understanding that it was the monkey who shot Emma. He reached for the shotgun under the counter, but the monkey turned and shot the counter in front of him, splinters exploding, forcing Isaac back from the shotgun. Miguel Guerrero jumped from his seat and tried to staunch the blood that bubbled from Emma's throat. Knock, knock, said the monkey, looking directly at Isaac. Incredibly, the monkey's voice was measured clear, commanding. Winona had two thoughts simultaneously. The monkey must be trained to kill. Then, ventriloquism. The clown is a ventriloquist. She glanced over at Isaac. He had stepped back from the shotgun but stayed within arm's reach. She could see he was thinking the same thing. Then, his eyes widened in revelation. The clown's mouth is covered in duct tape, he said. Winona looked at the clown. Sure enough, the ragged tape completely covered his mouth. From what she could tell, there was no way that this clown was using ventriloquism. One of the unpretties, Jason Maines, leaped from the booth and ran for the door. The monkey turned and fired a shot, <coughs> kneecapping the poor kid. The monkey glanced around the room. Nobody leaves. Nobody. Winona struggled with the idea that the monkey was speaking. She realized she had two choices. She could use all her mental power to understand how this was happening, or she could suspend her disbelief and apply herself to finding a way out of the situation. It was going to be deadly either way. However, Focusing on the solution and not the wonder of the monkey's ability to speak would ensure a smaller body count. What do you want? she asked. The monkey turned to face her. 
His red smeared face with the black spiral scrawled around his eyes reminded her of something, but she could not quite bring it forward in her mind. I want to tell a joke. The monkey replied, Knock. Knock. Winona had no recourse but to play along. She needed to buy time until a solution out of this insane situation revealed itself. Who's there? The monkey gave a sharp-toothed smile. It made the little beast more devilish. Death he said, then turned monkey quick and shot Earl Jameson, a local truck driver who had stopped in after a long haul for a burger. He had been standing beside the jukebox. He crumpled to a heap on the floor, a bloody boutonniere blossoming on his chest. Stop that right now, Winona yelled. I'll allow no more death in my diner. The monkey tilted his head back and gave a disturbing laugh that was both human and simian. Then he turned to Calvin Taylor. Well, look here. We are in the presence of a distinguished author. Calvin sat on his stool, mouth agape. How is this happening? He asked. Let me ask you all... A question, said the monkey. He looked around the room as if he were a comedian gauging the intelligence of his audience. Did you hear the one about the author who lost his mind? No one offered to respond. They were all standing in wide-eyed fear. The monkey leaned out over the counter toward his captive audience, as if attempting to draw them in closer. No, you should have. It's all over the diner. He leveled the gun at Calvin and pulled the trigger, blowing a sizable chunk of his skull off in a crimson spray. Oh my God, Jenny Connor yelled. Someone began to cry. Another began to softly pray. Everyone else stood in stunned silence, taking in the gory mass that had sprayed onto the counter. Isaac dropped to the floor behind the counter and scrambled for the shotgun. Winona reached out and smacked the monkey's hand, forcing him to drop the pistol. Isaac stood and leveled the shotgun at the monkey, who leaped up onto Winona's shoulder and jumped into the air, grabbing onto one of the light fixtures that hung over the counter. He swung out and landed on Isaac's back. He wrapped his tail around Isaac's neck and began to choke him. He dug his sharp, simian fingers into Isaac's hair. Isaac dropped the shotgun as he tried to pry the monkey's tail from his neck. Stop it, Winona yelled. The monkey looked over at her while still choking Isaac. Toss the gun into the kitchen, he said. Now, or I kill him. Winona snatched the shotgun from the floor and tossed it through the serving window into the kitchen. She caught movement from the corner of her eye. She turned and saw that the clown was now standing and juggling three wickedly sharp knives. The monkey kept his tail firmly wrapped around Isaac's neck. One more for the road, it said. What do you call a clown? that can keep three knives up in the air at the same time. The monkey paused for effect. Then, 
he delivered his demonic punchline. You call him a jugular. Then, with dramatic flair, the clown snatched one of the knives from the air and pulled the blade down across the jugular vein in his neck. Blood sprayed. Winona cried out in disgust. The monkey laughed. <laughs> the clown fell to his knees, the blood spurting from his neck. Then, after a gurgling moment, he fell to his face in a crimson pool. The monkey jumped from Isaac's back and bounded across the counter and pushed through the door. He turned and looked back into the diner and flashed a wicked smile. He stood there in his red devil costume for a long moment. Then he pushed his face against the glass, leaving a grotesque smear, then turned and bounded off into the darkness beyond the parking lot. There was a moment of complete silence as everyone processed what had just happened. Then Winona and Isaac sprang into action. Winona ordered Miguel to call the police. Isaac ran into the kitchen and grabbed the shotgun in case the clown wasn't dead or if the demonic monkey decided to return. Sheriff Mosley and his two deputies arrived within 15 minutes. As per usual, he strode in as if he were a commanding general. His two deputies followed behind with guns drawn. The paramedics were on site less than a minute later, and they set about attending to the wounded. Emma and Jason would live, though Emma's wound was critical, and Jason would walk with a limp for the rest of his life. Damn, Winona, the sheriff said as he surveyed the blood-splattered floor and counter. You usually don't have a body count, and tonight we lose Earl and Calvin? They were both good men. What the hell happened? Isaac walked over from comforting Miguel, who was nervously watching the paramedics work on Emma. Clown and monkey, he said. Sheriff Mosley pushed back his brown cowboy hat as he considered what Isaac had said. So, a clown comes in and shoots the place up? No, Isaac replied. It was the monkey that shot the place up. Anton Mosley was a 50-year-old man who had fought in Desert Storm. He thought that he had seen some crazy things as a battle-hardened soldier, but in the ten years he had been Sheriff of Nevermore, he had seen unexplainable things. Disturbing things. Deadly things. And many of them happened here in Winona's Waffle Hut. So, he shrugged and said, Hit me with it. Winona and Isaac told him the story. When they finished, he said, The monkey talked? Yes, Winona said. It told us jokes. And he used the pistol to shoot these people? Yes, said Isaac. Anton pointed to the monkey face stain on the front door. And that's what he looked like? Well... Isaac replied. That is a bit smeared, but yeah, basically like that. Anton turned to one of his deputies. I need you to put a bolo out for a monkey with a red painted face who is wearing a crimson tuxedo with black pentagrams. 
The deputy took the strange request in stride. He also had seen enough in this town to not be shocked. He stepped outside and put the information out on the police radio while the paramedics loaded up Emma and Jason and shot off to the hospital. One of Nevermore's two detectives walked through the door and took in the scene. She was an athletically built woman of 30 named Haley Madison. She saw Anton speaking with Winona and Isaac and walked over to them. This one's bad, she said. Winona and Isaac solemnly shook their heads. After a moment, Winona said, And the strangest one yet. They brought her up to speed. She shook her head and bent down and looked at the clown. This is going to be a lot of paperwork. Winona looked around her diner. She took in the gore that splattered the floor and the counter. For the first time, she began to wonder if this was worth the death toll. Don't beat yourself up, Winona, Sheriff Anton said. Something like this is going to happen somewhere in this crazy town. At least with you and Isaac here, the body count is smaller. You two have saved a lot of lives over the years. Maybe, Winona said. She felt bad for Calvin and Earl and whoever this clown had been. Isaac read her emotions, could see her lack of confidence. He's right, Winona. We've caught some pretty bad people here over the years. We've stopped people who would have kept on killing, moving from place to place, racking up a body count. Winona considered what he said. As she did, she realized the swirls around the monkey's eyes reminded her of the swirls used to symbolize when someone was hypnotized. She didn't know why, but this seemed important. Finally, she said, I know we have, Isaac, but tonight... We didn't catch that damn monkey, and I just know we're going to see him again. <laughs>